First, I want to thank you for trusting me with bringing these messages to you each week. You know, J.B. Phillips, the, the uh, translator of the J.B. Phillips paraphrase, New Testament, said translating the Bible was like wiring a house with the energy turned on. And that's kind of what it is to deal with the living, active Word of God. And you've trusted me with that, and I'm aware that, as the Bible says, where words are many, sin is not absent. So I'm sure I have misspoken from this pulpit in this semester. I ask your forgiveness for that and your prayers that I would uh, accurately represent what God is saying to us. I'm also sure that God has spoken to us. I'm sure of that. And I hope those of you who have been through this semester and noticed that our sermon topic and our Sunday school lessons were the same thing and heard that the same people didn't decide that, the Lord is speaking to Calvary about what the church is. Let's just review quickly. We've been talking about the bride of Christ, which is the church. We started off talking about living a betrothed life that Jesus calls himself the bridegroom, and we collectively over time and across distance are his bride. We talked about being a new humanity, that Jesus is the last Adam, and like Eve, he's creating for himself a bride. We talked about Jesus as the foreman. He said, I will build my church, and he's the cornerstone on which he's building us up to be a house for him. We talked about how the body grows by speaking the truth in love. We talked about the earthly tent we live in, which is our bodies being his temple, that he lives in our bodies, according to 1 Corinthians 6. We talked about the good shepherd, the day the sheep came to Calvary. None of us will ever forget that, uh, that we are his flock and he loves us and has given, us, given his life for us. We talked about being the family of God, who are my mother and my brothers, those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then we talked about being God's field and growing the good seed. But today I want to end on a, a macro vision, a theory of everything. A theory of everything. These thoughts come from the Apostle Paul, who, as you remember, was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were required to memorize the Pentateuch, so he knew backwards and forwards the teaching of the Old Testament. And out of that knowledge came his encounter, a life-changing, transforming encounter with Jesus Christ, living and seated in heaven. Paul got to see Jesus in his glory in a, in a vision that he had that knocked him right off of his horse. And if you haven't had that encounter with Jesus, my prayer is that you will have it maybe even this morning. Jesus is all in all. I'd like to teach you a song about that. Uh, yeah, this is a little weird. But we're going to sing a song as the application for this sermon, and I want you to know it when we get there. So here's what it says. And it's very easy, because I sing the first, it's very short, four lines, and then you repeat the line after me. Some of you will know it. So those who know it, sing it out. It goes like this. King Jesus is all. Good. My all in all. Sing it. I know he'll answer me when I call, walking by his side, I'm satisfied, 
King Jesus is all. My all in all. All right, so I hope you know it when we get to the end of the sermon. You guys make a pretty good choir. The church is not a Sunday club. It's not a building. It's not even an earthly institution, primarily. All of those things it has. But that does not define it. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. His followers did that, and some of it is very good. Some of it's also very bad. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hebrews 1 says He is the heir of all things. God the Father made everything and is giving it to God the Son as His inheritance. And we, Romans 8, 17, are co-heirs with Christ of everything. My text this morning is Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. It's one of my favorite uh, small passages in the whole Bible. I hope you have your Bible and you can turn it open o- over. I hope you can read it in various translations because this is a key to understanding the whole book and your whole life. Here's what it says in the NIV. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. There's our topic. Which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's what it says in the ESV. And he, God the Father, put all things under his, God the Son's, feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, all of Ephesians chapter 1 is one sentence. Pretty much after the greeting, that whole stretch is one long sentence. And in our modern translations, they've divided it up a little bit just so that we can understand it. But we need to look at the context a little bit just so that we understand where Paul is coming from. He's started introducing himself and saying greetings. And then he says, I'm always praying for you. And I pray that you'll know him better in three ways. So these, this is just very quick, the summary of Paul's prayer. Number one, he says, I hope your eyes will be open so that you know what? The hope to which he has called you, the glorious inheritance we have in his saints and his holy people, and the great power that is at work in us who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Hope, inheritance, and power. So out of that prayer, Paul comes to this amazing statement that repeats the word all or all things four times in two verses. I looked this up in Greek. I don't know Greek. I studied it a little bit in college. It's easy. It means all. It's the word pas or pan, like pantheism, right? So we have to be very careful when we're talking about these two verses not to, not to slip into the idea that the trees and the sky are God. That's pantheism. Worship everything because everything is God. That's not what Paul is teaching here. As he says in Acts 17, God is not far from any one of us because in him we live and move and have our being. In him. 
That means he is very present, far more present than you or I can imagine or remember. I like what Dallas Willard says about that voice that Peter and the disciples heard on the mountain of transfiguration. Remember when a cloud came over and a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am pleased? Dallas Willard says that that word heaven could mean the heaven that the birds fly in. It could mean the heaven that's all around us. It could mean out of the air vibrated a voice of the creator saying, this is my son. God is right here. Some of you may not know that PACA means Pan-American Christian Academy. That means all of the Americas. Paul is saying here that Jesus is the filler of all things. He's the maker of all things for himself. He receives it all from God. So, three ways to think about this. The first phrase says, He, God the Father, placed or put all things under His Christ's feet. That's subjugation. I'm a little behind here. God the Father placed all things under His feet. God has subjugated everything under Christ. Now, when is He talking about? In the, verse we, the passage we read earlier this morning, Colossians chapter 1, which goes very closely with this passage, Paul says, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus was the, the means through which God created the world. It was by him and for him. But then he allowed things to go haywire. That's a funny way of saying he allowed sin to come in to the story. He didn't create or do sin, but he allowed sin to mess up his beautiful creation so that redemption could be part of reconciling all things to himself. And that's a huge topic. Most scholars think that Paul is quoting in this first phrase, he put all things under his feet, Romans, or Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. This is what they call the Zabur. Psalm 8, 6 says, You have given him dominion over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth. Philippians 2 says he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what things is he talking about? I think Colossians 1 is helpful in that sense. Colossians 1.16, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, everything was made by him and for him, and he is bringing it all under his authority. My friend, there is no political power. There is no drug dealer or criminal that is outside of the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has it all in control. One of my favorite writers from the Middle Ages, by the way, did you know the church didn't stop between St. Augustine and, Luther, and Martin Luther? That's what the Mormons believe. That's not what we believe. The church has gone on. 
And there are great writers in those dark ages. Not as many, maybe, as other times. But Julian of Norwich was a little old lady that couldn't afford to get everything inside the church. And so she built a little lean-to on the back of the Catholic cathedral where people who were poor and couldn't afford to pay what it cost to hear the priest would come to her lean-to, give her a, a potato, and say, tell me the wisdom of God. Show me what to do. How do I solve this problem or that problem? And she writes some pretty wise things. She's sort of a lay counselor. Julian of Norwich, look her up. It's great. She had a dream one time where she was quite anxious about something. And God showed her his hand. And in his hand, in the palm of his hand, was a green pea. Do you know what a pea is? A little round, tiny little round ball vegetable that was in the palm of his hand. And Julian said, what is that, Lord? And he said, that's all of your life. Everything you know, everything you think, all that you're worried about is that little pea in the palm of my hand. And when she woke up, she wrote in her journal, I realized right at that moment, all will be well. All manner of things will be well in Christ. That's the hope that Paul was praying for. Everything will work out according to his good purpose. This is not a car out of control skidding down the road toward certain disaster. That's what it seems like. But God is controlling every single aspect. And he knows where we're going. And it's a good place for those who are in him. All will be well. I hope you hear that from the Holy Spirit this morning. If you're an anxious person, if you're suffering with anxiety and worry, some of you that are at home, if you can just hear the Holy Spirit say, all things work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Jesus is in control. All things are under his feet. Next, we need to go on to the next statement. Which, uh, wait, appointed him, gave him to be head over everything for the church. Now that's an amazing part. Here's our topic, for the church. As I studied this, I started thinking of everything being this sort of wedding present for the bride of Christ, right? God has made Christ the head of everything. Everything's under his feet. He's leading it all for the church, for us who follow him, who love him, who believe in him. Not just head of the church, head of everything. Head of elections. Head of the economy. Head of the weather. Head of the exact times and places where people should live. Every circumstance is under his control. This is what I want to call presentation. So we had subjugation. And now we have presentation that God presented Christ as head of everything to the church. God has given us the hope and the inheritance that Jesus is the head over everything. Everything is under his feet. But now look where it goes. The church, which is his body. We've talked about that. 
He's the head, we are the arms, the legs, the hugs, the smiles, the service, the manifestation of his presence in the world right now is those who have made him Lord of their lives, those who have made their bodies and their hearts his temple, those who carry him around in a dark world, those to whom he said, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. We are the body of Christ. It's like his head is in heaven and his body is on earth. And he's doing things through us, I hope. Sometimes it seems like he has some pretty big deficiencies, right? Like his arms don't actually do what his head is telling them to do. But we are his body. But then Paul goes further. Watch. Are you looking at this? The fullness of him. We, his body, are the fullness of him. Now, I am aware that that is growing. There are people who will receive Christ today, hopefully in this place, who will say, I want that. I want to be part of that. I want to be in his body. Well, he's the door. His body was rent so that you could come in and by faith receive it without works, without deserving it, because that's what grace is. It's goodness. It's gifts without deserving. And you can receive it today just by saying, I repent of my own self and I want you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord. But to be the fullness means we grow up into him who is the head. It means that every day new members are being added to his body. It means that every day new molecules like this one, this is like one molecule in the body of Christ, are being built up, being organized around the world. It means that through time, I was thinking about this and I thought maybe right now, Sunday the 20th of, or 19th of, Jan, of what, where are we? Of June, <laughs> is like an MRI slice of, God, of Jesus' body, right? It's like we're going through time, and this today is an MRI slice. We see one little slice of who the fullness of Christ's body is. That's why he wants us to find new members, because he wants it to be his fullness. There are places at the table, and we need to go and invite those who don't know to come in. Paul says we're filling up in our bodies the sufferings of Christ, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, and uh, the promise to Abraham, more numerous than the sand, the grains of sand, or the stars in heaven, will be the faith, sons and daughters by Abraham, and that's clearly given to us who are in Christ, who is the heir of all of those promises. But then we go even further with the last phrase, uh, that the church is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. All in all, Christ fills everything. Going into all the world to make disciples in every family, to bless, as he said to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed through your descendants. All in all, in Christ, through the church, which is his fullness. That's called infiltration. Oops, did I get to there yet? Yeah. Did you move it forward? There we go. Subjugation, presentation, infiltration. Can you say that with me? Because I, I did this so you can remember it. Say it with me. Subjugation, presentation, infiltration. Filling everything in every way through the church. That's what Paul is saying here. God is doing it, but within his sovereign will, you and I have the choice 
to participate, to invest in that eternal kingdom, to act with him in our lives, our neighborhoods, our families, our, our minds and hearts, so that we'll be part of it. The kingdom of God is like a woman who hid a small amount of yeast in a large amount of dough. Do you remember that story Jesus told? So there was a woman who took a small amount of yeast, hid it down in a lump of dough, began to knead it, and what happened to the yeast? It filled the whole lump. That's what Paul is talking about here. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Slowly as we multiply, slowly as we touch those all around us, slowly as we pray and go to the places where the yeast hasn't gotten yet, Jesus is filling everything in every way through the church. I, I was looking for a metaphor of this, this, this week, and I thought about my daughter Jessie, who's nine and was born in Brazil. But if you've tried to talk to her in Portuguese, you know that her Portuguese is very small. She's a Brazilian who doesn't speak the language of Brazil. That's because she's grown up in the United States where almost nobody knows Portuguese, where we live. I mean, yeah, there are lots of Brazilians there. We couldn't find very many. So think about it like this. If you're learning English in a class, you know pretty good English, but it's something you use in that class probably, or maybe with a couple of friends. So it's sort of like a hobby, sort of like something you do on the side. But if you were to catch the plane with my family and me tomorrow night and go to Chicago, you would land in a place where speaking English is like breathing water. Suddenly, Portuguese doesn't work anymore. English is everything. Okay, so why am I using that as an example? Sometimes I think church is something people do just when they come to the class. Jesus is something they talk about just when they're at church or just when they're with Christians. And Jesus wants to fill everything. And guess what, my friend? He will fill everything in every way. And when that one who is very present right here with us becomes visible, the glory begins to sparkle, you will wonder why you ever doubted. He is everywhere. And he is filling every single space. And he wants to use you and me to do it. The reason Brazil is dark is because the church is not shining as it should. He has subjugated everything to his will. He has presented himself to us as the head over everything. And now he says, I want to fill everything in every way through my fullness, my body, which is you. We're going to read some readings about this because it's amazing how the New Testament proclaims this. Some of you have papers that I've highlighted a verse you don't have to stand up and read them if you don't want to. I would ask that you'd pull your mask down when you're reading so we can hear. This is going to take a little while, but I want you all to close your eyes and let this word of God, these are straight from Scripture. If you'd like to see the sheet, I can show it to you. Uh, but I copied verses from the New Testament that say, Pan, all things. Let's hear what God has to say to us this morning about. You might have a pen or a pencil and just jot down a couple of notes or your note, your note thing on your, on your uh, cell phone just so that you keep what God will speak to you through these next couple of minutes as we hear different people reading these passages. We're going to start with Brother Michael over there. Luke 10:22. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows 
who the Son is except the Father. Or who the Father is except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. John 1.3 All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John 3.35 The Father loves the Son, and has hidden all things into his hand. John 13.3 Jesus knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going back to God. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called the colored according to his purpose. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 11.36 For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him is the glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 21 to 23 So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Amen. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 11, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1, 22. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 4 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Philippians 3 21. Who will transform our lowly body? to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Colossians 1, 16-20 For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be permanent. For in him all the fullness of God.
God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Hebrews 1 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, Who's after Hebrews 1? What's the next verse there, Olivia? Uh, Hebrews 2.10 For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. 1 Peter 4.7 The end of all things is at hand. <coughs> Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Revelations 21, 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Let's just be quiet for a minute and let those words echo in our hearts. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now what should we do? In light of subjugation, in light of God putting everything under his feet, I want to challenge you to rest. Right now, Believe that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. If you're anxious by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, take your request to God and the peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to what lies ahead, live at peace today knowing that all things are in His powerful hand. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Rest in the lovely, beautiful, powerful knowledge that all things have been put under the feet of your beloved Savior. Now some of you are not in Him. To you I would say repent. Repent from trying to hold things together from trying to make your future happen in your own strength, from thinking you are God, you are not God. There is one God. There is one Lord, one Savior, and He has it all in His hands. Repent and then rest. This is the hope that Paul prayed for in his prayer for the Ephesians. The hope of all who trust all who believe, all who cast their burdens at Jesus' feet and believe that the cross is sufficient grace to cover your past, your present, and your future. The yeast of the kingdom of heaven is filling the whole lump. In light of the presentation of Christ as the head of the church, I would say our task is to rejoice. 
That's the inheritance that Paul said, I pray the eyes of your heart will be opened to the inheritance you have as children of the Creator. Jesus promised that the world, blessed are the poor in spirit, the, the earth belongs to the meek. We will inherit everything with Him, co-heirs with Christ. Rejoice, my friend, your daddy is rich. Nothing can take your inheritance from you in Christ. There is no worry. There is no need that that does not cover. And the reason he doesn't let you have it yet is because he's trying to make you grow in faith so that you can survive his glory. Because without faith, no one will see the Lord. Rejoice in your inheritance. Do you say every day, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus? Everything is working for the fulfillment of his purpose in your life. If you are called, if you love him, if you've been born again into him, you are part of the fullness of Christ that is filling everything in every way. The wedding supper is coming and your present is really nice. Finally, in light of infiltration of all things, we cannot be passive. And I want to challenge you to run and rest and rejoice. Don't leave rest behind. I have a brother who's a marathoner. He ran the Chicago Marathon in three hours flat. He runs 26 six-minute miles in a row. And when I watch Larry run, first of all, his body is not like mine. He looks like a panther. He looks like God made that to run. And he runs with a smile on his face, resting at the same time. Run and rest in the rejoicing glory of your inheritance. And this is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have hope, we have an inheritance, and we have power to do things that you say, how in the world will I reach an unreached people group? How in the world will I make a disciple of someone who's far from Christ? It's through his power that you run, and you run like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let go, let lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Jesus has everything under his feet. And God has made him head over everything for us so that he can fill everything in every way through his body. Eye has not seen nor ear heard the things which God has prepared for those who love him. It's, it's kind of like Noah. Think about Noah and Mrs. Noah and their three sons and their three daughters-in-law opening the door of the ark on a new world. The only people who, who made it to that new world were those who were in the ark. That's the only people who will make it to the next new world too. Those who are in Christ. Those who are in the church, which is his fullness. The one who fills everything in every way. Now stand up.
Because of subjugation, what are you supposed to do? Say it out loud. All right. Preach it to yourself this week. Because of the presentation of Christ as the head of the body, what are you supposed to do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Let me hear you say Maranatha. And that means he's coming. He's truly coming. And that's a good thing. The sooner the better. And because of infiltration of all things in every way, what are we supposed to do? Hallelujah. Let's sing together. King Jesus is all. My all in all. I know he'll answer. Do you know it? Me when I call. Walking by his side. I'm satisfied. King Jesus is all. My all in all. 